0: I feel somewhat abandoned today. I hope you were able to do this morning, your. Uh, if you have uh, traditions or rituals at your house, I hope you were able to do those things uh, this morning. Um, as you may or may not remember, we have certain traditions at my house that I've talked about. We always have what we call the green sausage every Christmas and uh, we only get it once a year. And and my girls don't like it. I don't understand that, you know? just because it's green. It hurts me right here. <laughs> it hurts me. Okay. Um, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning. It is no shock that we should be there in Luke. This is the story of the birth of Christ. Uh, this is what we have come today to celebrate Uh, And we have come to worship this one in particular, the only Son of the living God. So let's pray before I read the word. Heavenly Father, come upon us today that we might have a clear understanding of how you want us to live because of what Christ has done. Send your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to this truth and to fix in our hearts, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So you want to hold on to that, and I'll read that in in just a moment out of Luke chapter 2. What do we have to be afraid of in our world today? I mean, besides snakes and spiders and public speaking and uh, the things that make noise in the night that we can't see. I mean, is there anything else really to be afraid of? Well, it all depends, I guess, on on who you are and what you do. Now probably very few of us have ever been afraid for our lives. I mean really afraid. Of course if you're a soldier that's a possibility. If you're a police officer or a fireman uh, that's a real possibility. I guess if you're a middle school teacher that's a real possibility. Uh, <laughs> I think. But But you know has my life ever been in danger, only when I have put it in danger by driving too fast okay but other than that i don 't think i 've ever really been on the edge or really been concerned about my life, but there are other types times when we have you know certain things that we should be afraid of or or, or things that may cause us to fear um, you know, we think of, of the uh, construction worker who walks the high steel. Now, they don't demonstrate any fear, but if you're up 50 floors, it's got to enter your mind sooner or later that you might be a little bit afraid. Or how about the little girl who's in her room and she hears her parents arguing very voraciously? Voraciously at the right, very loudly, okay? And she, maybe she's afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. Are her parents going to stay together? What about the widow who after 50 years is suddenly alone and she she closes the door to her house and she looks around and there's no one else there but her? Does she have cause to be afraid? Now, do you know the most often repeated command in Scripture? Don't be afraid. More than 80 times God says, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Some variation on that. Now, Most of those times, that is directed towards believers. Now, there are times where it says to be afraid, and most of those times are directed towards non-believers. Every once in a while, it says to believers that we should fear the Lord. Don't fear man. What can man do to you? Fear God. He can destroy both the body and the body. And the soul. He is the one we are to fear. But we understand that that is not a a fear of shaking in our boots for the believer. It is a fear filled with awe and respect. We are to fear him in that sense and in that quality. Now, the demons are afraid of God. They shake in their boots, but it doesn't do anything to them. Unfortunately, I think most of the non believing world is not afraid of the God who will stand in judgment over them, they're apathetic. They really don't care, or they're they're just not interested. They don't believe he exists, so why should they give him any thought? They just move on with their life. Unfortunately, they don't understand this danger that they are in, which is an eternal danger. But why is it that God doesn't want his children in particular to fear? And the second question is, what does God do about it? I mean, there's one thing... To, to go up into your, your, your small child or small grandchild's room and they're afraid of the dark and say, don't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing to fear. And then walk out. What have you done to calm their fears? You've done nothing. What are we supposed to do? What do the experts say we're supposed to do? Okay, look under the bed and look in the closet and do all those things. Give them a reason not to be afraid. Okay? So has God given us a reason why his children, his people, should not fear? Well, let's look at some scriptures, and I've got, oh, I've just got a sampling here. Uh, There are far more than this that talk about this. Deuteronomy, serve only the Lord your God, fear him alone, obey his commands. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and of good courage, do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will he forsake you. Joshua chapter 1. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land. Do not fear, Joshua. I have taken care of this. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 25. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and fear not for the Lord God. My God is with you. He will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Psalm 34, 9, fear the Lord for you, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all that they need. Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Psalm 91, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Isaiah 41, so do not fear, for I am with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 51, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans? Ooh, I love that one. Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul. Luke chapter 12, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Why are you afraid? The Father's given you the kingdom. Romans chapter 8, for you have not received a spirit of bondage to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Hebrews 13, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 John, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fears. If we are afraid it is for fear of punishment, then this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And then Revelation. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. It's just a sampling of scripture that says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Why? For I am God. Now, each of us has our own fears, and perhaps you're an open book, and everybody knows that you're afraid of spiders or snakes or uh, public speaking or afraid of uh, small spaces or big spaces or heights or uh, water. You know, we all have those fears, and they're here with us. No matter where we are, our fears go with us. They cling to us. Sometimes they keep us from doing certain things. I know people who have been afraid of going over bridges that that, that go over water which makes it very tough, especially if you live in Pennsylvania, to get anywhere, okay? Because almost every bridge is going over a river. How do they get around? But on this Christmas morning, on this Christmas morning, it is time to put our fears aside. It is time to start living what I I just term the fearless Christian life. What have we to fear? What have we to fear? Now, how can I possibly expel from my world all these things that have come to grip me, have come to hang on to me? How can I get rid of them? It's found in Luke chapter 2. Not only does God say, do not be afraid, he gives us the power not to be afraid, and he gives us the reason not to be afraid. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These are the freeing words of Scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is the command. That's the first thing. The command is to fear not. The angel came to Zechariah, said fear not. The angel came to Mary and said fear not. He says to the shepherds, fear not. But even though it's natural to be afraid, God sends Jesus with the words, fear not. Hebrews chapter 2, let me read it to you. Jesus became man that through death he might destroy, through his death, he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death have been held in lifelong bondage. Let me read it once more that through his death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death have been held in lifelong bondage. This last little phrase implies something fantastic for the believer. The fear of death should no longer grip us. Why? Because Christ has destroyed that. He has destroyed the power that holds the power of death. Our worst fear, usually the worst fear of anybody, is the fear of death. And, and for the believer, it's it's not death, but it's that usually the process of dying that we fear. But it says the power of death has been broken, and Christ has broken that through his own death. I mean, there are a lot of other things to fear in life for the average individual. I mean, are you afraid that if you're losing your job, are you afraid of not performing your job well enough? Are you afraid of... of of someone else thinking that you're not good enough to be who you are or where you are. or Maybe you're afraid of the next exam, or maybe you're just afraid of of, of losing a relationship, whatever it might be. But the Lord says... Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not be anxious about life, about what you shall eat or wear or drink. Cast all your anxieties on God. He cares for you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He is the stronghold of my life. What do we have to fear? Why should we be afraid? The command is fear not. Now, with that command comes something else. You can't hear the command to not fear because Christ has come into this world without understanding the opposite end of that, which would be joy. The joy of Christ replaces that fear. It's like a glass. You know, Psalm 23 says, what runs over? My cup. Okay, now you understand that that our cup outside of the work of Christ, our cup when left to ourselves is full of what? It's full of our sin. It's full of our jealousy and our anger and our envy and all those things that have tainted us and, and separated us from our Heavenly Father. But yet when our Heavenly Father begins to pour into our cup the righteousness of Christ, we have that righteousness and that holiness and, and, and it begins to overflow and it begins to push the things of our hearts out and fill up more and more with the things of Christ. That's what happens when, with fear. When you fill it with the joy of Christ, the fear begins to leave and you begin to trust more and more in the things of Christ. Paul summed up the goal of his ministry when he said, For the advancement and joy of your faith. He told the Philippians that. The Thessalonians and the Philippians, he said, rejoice. I will always say rejoice. Always, yes. It doesn't mean we'll rejoice and there won't be any tears. Doesn't matter. doesn't mean we'll rejoice and there won't be any pain. That is a fact of this life. But if your life is full of the joy of Christ, you can rejoice even in the midst of that. You cannot fear those pains. You, you, you can live without the fear of pains. You can live without the fear of suffering and all those things. They will come. We can't get away from that. But the joy of Christ will so fill our hearts that we will not fear those things. So that's the command, fear not. Now to whom is the command directed? Well, we see that it's obviously directed to the shepherds, but it's also directed towards us. Anything in scripture has an immediate application, but an application in our lives as well. The shepherds are sitting out in the fields in, in the darkness. Now understand, darkness is hard to find in our world. We've got so many electric lights, and and one of the the good things, uh, you know, that that came out of any time we lose our electricity or anything like that on a large scale is that you can walk out in the backyard and you can see the stars, okay? Or if you're a camper and you go way out in the field, away from any other electric light, you can see the stars, and you get a sense, if there's no moon, of how really dark it can be. Well, here are the shepherds. And they're out in the darkened field. In the darkened field, it's it's a wonderful picture of who we are in our lostness, in our sin. It's dark. You can't really see. And all of a sudden, this light comes upon us. The holiness of Christ comes upon the shepherd. And And what is the only fear? Again and again, or the only thing we can do again and again, when God manifests himself, there is fear, and the first words usually are, don't be afraid. Okay, If God shows up in the form of an angel or the form of Christ, there's this fear because we're standing in the presence of a holy God. But he says, don't be afraid. That means he's come with the message of salvation. When God appeared to Moses, the mountain shook. The people wouldn't even go on the mountain. They said, Moses, you go up on the mountain. No, I'm not going up there. Okay. When Isaiah had this vision in chapter 6, he says, woe is me. I am ruined. I am ruined. It is always a fearful thing for a sinner to see the manifestation of the glory of God. But when God says to you, fear not, it's because he has brought salvation to us. Now, why should we fear not? Because the good news of great joy has come to us. That is the greatest moment in history we'd celebrate today. All of history turns on it. This is this one event, the birth of Christ. The Savior has come into this world to take on the judgment that was due to us. Now, we know that in 30 or so short years, he will give his life and all of humanity's sin will rest upon him. The perfect lamb of God would die for those who are in darkness. What is this news? This news is that a Savior is born. 700 years before, the prophet Micah said that in a little town called Bethlehem, the Savior would be born. Now we understand that the name Bethlehem, if you remember a couple Christmases ago, we studied this. I know you remember everything that, that I say. Um, Beth is house. Lechem is bread. Beth Lehem, So he was born in the house of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever eats his body and drinks his blood will have eternal life. He was born in Bethlehem. There are no coincidences, you understand. Now Bethlehem was an obscure little village except for one fact. It was the birthplace, the ancestry of David. It was where his father Jesse had lived. So it played a very important part in the fulfillment of all the scriptures. Now, as it turned out, God is working his plan. So Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in in all the world at that time, says, you know what? I think I need a census. I need to count how many people there are. So he goes about counting everybody in his realm. That means all the Jewish people in particular had to go back To the city of their ancestry. Now, why is that important? Because it says that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and Joseph and Mary are not in Bethlehem at this time. So they have to make the 85 or 90 mile journey back to Bethlehem to please Caesar, but in reality, it is to fulfill the plan of our Heavenly Father that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus didn't give a rip about God. He didn't believe about him. He didn't understand that his decree was simply fulfilling the plan of our Heavenly Father. So who is this Savior? He is Christ the Lord. Now Christ is not the last name of Jesus. I know we often just say Jesus Christ. Technically it should be Jesus the Christ. Christ means Messiah or Lord now, Lord is not simply that he is our master. Yes, he is our master. But this particular word means so much more. We see uh, when Moses was before the Lord and, and the Lord was telling him that you're going to go and declare this message. And if he says, well, if they ask me who sent me, what should I say? Who, who has sent me? What should I say? And what did the Lord say to him? I am. Okay. This is the Greek form of I am. It is the name of God. So when we say it is Jesus Christ the Lord, we're saying it is Christ the divine. This is God who has come to earth. So when the angels declare to the shepherds that Christ the Lord has come, they're saying God has come to earth. So fear not, for today God has come to earth. Why should we not fear the things of this world? Why should we not be afraid? Because our God is is not one who stays far away from us. He is not one who gets the ball rolling and then sits back and says, you have at it, I'm just going to watch. He is intimately and personally involved in the lives of all those he has saved. He is intimately and personally involved in all the works of his creation. Caesar just thought he was counting the number, but he was simply fulfilling the plan of God, that his son would be born in Bethlehem. God is personally and intimately involved in all aspects of his creation and the demonstration of that love the demonstration of that care is that christ left the right hand of the father and came into this world as our savior the fearless christian life can be led not because there's nothing to be afraid of in this world there's pain and there's suffering and there's hurt and there are things that are dangerous those things are all fearful But because Christ has come into this world, they need not control us. They need not cling to us. They need not run our lives. We can face those things with an underpinning of joy in all that we do. Fear not, for Christ the Lord has come into this world to save the likes of us. So what do we have to fear? Let's pray. Lord, what... Do we have to fear? I, I know in our hearts we all have these fears. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I attractive enough? Can I succeed at this? Or what about the the, the physical fears that we have? When when we see the doctor and he tells us that we've got a disease, or he tells us that, that you know things are falling apart and we're getting old, or 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 what about when we go home and 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 You know, things are broken at home, and we don't know why, or we don't know how to fix them. So, Lord, those things are real to us. But those fears do not have to control us. With the joy of Christ controls us. The fear not was not just to the the shepherds, but it was to every believer. Fear not, for Christ the Lord has come into this world to save the likes of us so heavenly father today as we worship christ god has come into this world we worship him he is the lord remind us that he has come for us for we who hear this message that our hearts would not be closed to the things of christ that your Holy Spirit would come into the life of everyone here and we would be enlivened to these things and joy would replace any fear that we have. And this great confidence in your work and in your love for us would run through all that we do and say. Who should we fear? Who can do anything to us? We fear and we stand in awe only of you. And it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.